Welcome to As the Season Turns, the podcast following each month of the year. As the hedgerows change, the full moons come and go, and nature takes its course in the garden. I'm Leah Lander, a nature writer and author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide. And this podcast is brought to you by Fern, makers of small-batch organic natural perfume, who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to what to look for in the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you, in the words of the poet Ray Carver, settle deeper into the seasons. It's November. Some months are jolly and fun, all sunshine, rainbows and roses. November is not one of those. Winter is creeping in, yes, but it is more than that. Historically, November has had strong associations with mourning. There is all Hallow Mass to begin with, encompassing All Saints and All Souls Days on the 1st and 2nd of November, when it is traditional to remember all of the Christian saints and all of those who have died in the past year. And then on the 11th of November, we remember and mourn those who died in the two wars that still loom so large in our collective imaginations, and hopefully spare a thought for those killed in the many other wars since. November's full moon was once called the Morning Moon. I think it's really interesting that we have this pause in the year, this moment of reflection and somberness just before the explosion of light and joy and sparkles that comes in December. It feels necessary somehow, and I can only encourage you to go with it. If you feel a bit blue this month, that's okay. There will be jollier times. November was made for pulling on your comfiest jumper, sipping tea and eating chocolate biscuits while staring out at the rain and thinking all the thoughts. The naming of November. Zavine in Scots Gaelic. November in Scots and Ulster Scots, Sawin in Irish Gaelic, Mihaune in Manx, Tachweth in Welsh, Du in Cornish, and Novembre in Gerier. The pre-Christian Celtic year began on the 1st of November with the festival of Samhain, one of the four markers of the Celtic year, the others being Imolc, Beltane and Lunasa. Samhain marks the beginning of winter and was the time when the cattle were brought in from the pastures to their winter quarters. The word may be derived from the Proto-Indo-European sao, meaning together. Samhain was considered a time when the spirits of the dead could return to the earth, with the veil between the living and the dead especially thin. The word for November in Scots Gaelic and Irish Gaelic is derived from Samhain, while the Manx name, Mehaune is also derived from it. The Welsh, Tachweth, takes a different direction and means slaughter, much as the Anglo-Saxon word for November was Blotmonath, meaning blood month. This is because November was the traditional time to slaughter and preserve the meat of farm animals, fattened up over summer. The Cornish name, Du, leans towards the Breton name for the month, also Du, and means black, perhaps related to the shortening days. For Welsh, Romany and Scottish travellers, 
This month held a special wild harvest, so good and abundant that the month was named after it. Bear Machengero, month of the salmon. As the rivers were running with salmon, salmon poaching would be commonplace in November, with the fishing done by moonlight or in out-of-the-way corners of rivers to avoid gamekeepers. The Hedgerow in November As the hedgerow turns increasingly brown and bare, there are still flashes of colour to be found. Chief among these are the rose hips, the shiny post-box red of the dog rose, and the dark purple of burnet rose. But the bizarre fuchsia and orange spindle fruits give them a run for their money, looking like an art teacher's earrings. Hawthorn leaves turn shades of purple in the cold, and their haws are deep red, while Gelder rose leaves turn pinky yellow, all the better to make their remaining red fruits stand out. There are strings of bright red woody nightshade berries against bare stems and browning foliage. The fruits of the wayfaring tree are turning from red to black, and the dusty purple sloes are ripe on their bare stems, at their sweetest now after they have been touched by the first frosts. And above all of this hang the fluffy seed heads of wild clematis, old man's beard, looking like strings of fairy lights if they catch the low winter light. The male fern and soft shield fern have died down, leaving just the evergreen heart's tongue fern to plod on through winter. Wood bluets have come into season, and beautiful and weird scarlet elf cup fungi appear on dark and decaying wood, as do shaggy parasol mushrooms. The berries on spikes of lords and ladies are turning lipstick red, Amid all this ripening and dying down, one plant bucks the trend. Ivy starts flowering about now and is visited by grateful wasps, bees and green lacewings that are after the sustaining sips of nectar. Down at the base of the hedgerow, mammal activity is minimal as the small animals snuggle in burrows or nests against the cold. Deer make use of the hedgerow for shelter against wind and storms. Flower of the month, chrysanthemum. Latin name, chrysanthemum. From ancient Greek, chrysos, meaning golden, and anthos, meaning flower. Common names, chrysanth, xanth, mums, popmums. Just when every other flower in the cutting garden is packing up for autumn and winter, chrysanthemums start to bloom. And they do so in a riot of colours and shapes, some huge, single, with voluptuous, incurved or spidery thin petals, others sweet and mumsy with a spray of smiley pastel daisy flowers, some dramatic velvet red and rich orange, others zingy greens and acid yellows. The vast variety is a testament to enthusiastic and imaginative cultivation and breeding by Japanese gardeners from the early 8th century onwards. The chrysanthemum has become closely tied to the French celebration of All Saints' Day, known there as La Toussaint. On the 1st of November, French families gather to visit and tend to the graves of their loved ones and brighten them up with pots of chrysanthemums. Every graveyard is a riot of colour by the end of the day. This connection may be due to the chrysanthemum starting to flower in the darkest times and its ability to regenerate in spring. The chrysanthemum was originally chosen to be the flower of Remembrance Sunday before the poppy became the official flower in 1921 
and chrysanthemums are still laid on French war graves on All Souls' Day, the 2nd of November. Meteor Shower of the Month, the Leonids. The Leonids are famed for their occasional and extremely intense meteor storms, which turn them from their usual 15 meteors per hour appearance into a thrilling spectacle of thousands of trails per minute. The 1833 shower was particularly intense, with an estimate of 100,000 meteors per hour, and the storms of 1999, 2001 and 2002 boasted around 3,000 per hour. These peaks have sometimes occurred because the parent comet, 55P-Temple-Tuttle's orbit, intersected almost exactly with Earth's, meaning that we hit the centre of the trail, rather than the spread-out debris, and sometimes because of the comet having recently made a new circuit of its 33-year orbit. Comet 55P-Temple-Tuttle had a close brush with Jupiter not long ago, which is thought likely to have shifted its path and that of its debris streams, making such astonishing displays unlikely in the near future at least. It peaks this year on the night of the 17th and early morning of the 18th. Bonfire toffee apples. Bonfire toffee is the dark toffee rich in black treacle associated with bonfire night and particularly loved in the north of England. It is so hard that it has to be smashed into pieces when made in a tray, but is slightly easier to eat wrapped around apples on sticks. Only partake if you are confident of your fillings. Any eating apples will work, but those with a sharp or very distinctive flavour will be particularly good. You will need a sugar thermometer. We'll put the full recipe into the episode notes. To make eight toffee apples, you will need eight apples, eight sticks, apple tree prunings look great, by the way, sunflower oil, 125 millilitres of hot water, 450 grams of muscovado sugar, 115 grams of black treacle, 115 grams of golden syrup, and a quarter of a teaspoon of cream of tartar. Start off by putting the apples into a large bowl and pouring a kettle of boiled water over them. This will melt off the wax coating, so then just pour away the water and dry off the apples. Put parchment paper on a flat baking tray and rub it all over with oil. Now gently heat the water and the sugar in a heavy bottomed saucepan without stirring until the sugar has dissolved. Measure in the black treacle and the golden syrup and add the cream of tartar, then swish everything together. Turn up the heat and bring the mixture to the boil. Continue boiling until it reaches 140 degrees Celsius on the sugar thermometer, sometimes labelled as soft crack. As soon as it reaches that point, remove it from the heat and then roll your apples in the toffee. Set them stick up on the oiled parchment and leave them to harden. This month's full moon falls on the 19th. Some old names for November's full moon include Darkest Depths Moon and Morning Moon. As we tip further away from the sun, the nights lengthen and turn colder, and frosts become increasingly likely. 
there is every chance that the light from November's full moon will fall upon a gently glittering countryside. In gardens, the cells within tender garden plants are frozen stiff to collapse into mush when the morning thaw comes, and those leaves that haven't yet fallen from the trees take these frosts as the final sign to shed their chlorophyll and let their golds and reds shine through before falling to the ground. So the name Darkest Depths Moon is a nice case of stating the obvious, albeit poetically. We are very nearly at the darkest point in the year, and the nights are long and cold, and clearly pointing this out once felt pretty important. Morning Moon is something of a puzzle. Perhaps this name was connected to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, or to the Christian All Souls Day, both of which have at their hearts a commemoration of those who have passed away. During the course of November, day length decreases by 1 hour and 54 minutes to 7 hours and 9 minutes in Inverness, and by 1 hour and 23 minutes to 8 hours 22 minutes in Padstow. The spring tides are the most extreme tides of the month with the highest rises and falls, while neap tides are the least extreme with the smallest. It's useful to know your spring tides if you want to go rock pooling or mudlarking. Exact timings vary around the coast, but expect them around the following dates. Spring tides on the 6th to the 7th and the 20th to the 21st. Migration of the month, the Atlantic ran. Up Scottish rivers such as the Spey, the Tay, the Dee and the Tweed, and up the Tyne in northeast England, come the silvery Atlantic salmon this month and next, as they return to the gravel beds of their birth. The time, up to four years, that they've spent in the oceanic feeding grounds north of the Arctic Circle, has meant they're in tip-top condition for the journey. As they arrive in the estuary, they are met by fresh water, which immediately alters their bodies. They switch from using their longitudinal red muscles, which are useful for long-distance ocean swimming, to using their diagonally-oriented white muscles for thrashing from side to side. This gives them the power to leap up waterfalls and push against the current. They also darken in colour, and the males develop strong jaws for fighting off other males when they reach the spawning ground. The salmon's homing instinct is uncanny, and the majority will return to the exact stream of their birth. They have an incredible sense of smell, and it is thought that each stream and river has its own scent, and that it is this that the salmon follow, catching a whiff of it in the estuaries and following it upstream. Once they arrive at the spawning grounds, a female will select a riffle, an area of shallow water that flows fast and relatively turbulently over the gravel. She uses her tail to create a shallow depression called a red, where the eggs can nestle out of the current, and lays up to 5,000 eggs into it. A male approaches and deposits his sperm into the red, and the female covers the fertilised eggs by disturbing the gravel on the upstream edge of the red. She then moves further upstream and creates another red. This process is repeated up to seven times until all of her eggs are used up. Spawned salmon only rarely return to the sea. The longer they are out of sea water, the more they deteriorate, and they nearly always die soon after spawning, 
The eggs will hatch after a few months, and the small fish will live and feed in the river for up to three years before making their journey out to sea. I'll sing you a song of the fish of the sea And trust that you'll join in the chorus with me With the stormy old weather, the stormy old sea And when the wind blows, you'll heave with me A sea shanty for November. The fishes. This is a sea shanty for the salmon migration taking place around the coast and up the rivers this month. This is a topsail halyard shanty, used when the rope, the halyard, that raised the topsail needed to be hauled. Hence its simple, rhythmic nature. He whistled all day, but he could get no breeze With the stormy old weather, the stormy old sea And when the wind blows, you'll heave with me Up led the salmon, as bright as the sun He jumped between decks and then fired off a gun With the stormy old weather, the stormy old sea And when the wind blows, you'll heave with me November Garden Meditation It is all death and decay in the garden now, but there are many incidental wonders as life fades away. Look for the dying stems draped elegantly over the edge of a pot, or the tinges of gold, ochre and umber in the trees, or the fuzz of almost neon moss against a chocolate-brown, rain-soaked log. Look for beauty and you will still find it in this swan song of a month. Feel the cooling of the earth for yourself by stepping onto the soil barefoot for five minutes. While you do so, think about the great network of fungal mycelium spreading out beneath the soles of your feet. It is always there, but this is its moment of glory, as autumn rains signal that it is time for fungi to produce their fruiting bodies, mushrooms and toadstools to you and me. Look for them popping up in the base of hedges, in the lawn, under a tree, and appreciate that they are one tiny showy tip of a massive iceberg below you. Embrace the coming dark and the cold. Allow yourself to feel the rain on your face and for your fingers to tingle with cold. Know that this season of closing down and resting is needed and that it won't last forever. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2021, available in all good bookshops. This podcast has been brought to you by Fern. Fern is a natural fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.